It's great to have Tim and Elise Richards home and they're going to share with some of the things that they're up to up north in Nuremboi. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Good morning. So uh, I think since the last time we saw you, um, we've gotten a bit bigger, our family. Um, so here's the um, newest member of our family is Esther. Um, she was born on the 19th of January. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's a thing. She's here, so you can come over and say hello um, afterwards. Uh, and if you uh, don't know us, we're uh, connected to this church. We've been connected, well, myself personally, since 1993. Um, we consider this um, place in, in many ways a, a very, like a, a home, a very, um, a people and a place that we're very fond of. Um, uh, for the last six years, we've been in Arnhem Land. For the last two years, we've been serving with pioneers, um, working, trying to uh, learn Culture and language of the Yongle people up there uh, is where we live. And um, we've uh, been trying to uh, develop a strategy and start to build up a work um, of encouraging and building up the, the Yongle church. So this is Arnhem Land. You can see in the dark green. Where we live is... The red one. Uh, in Nolanboy, which is here. And what we are doing, where we're working, is mostly on the east part, East Arnhem Land. In this area of Arnhem Land, there are about 30 languages. We are working with a number of different tribes, different people groups, with different languages, but they all come under, um, they all call themselves Yongu, the Yongu people. We are adopted by a family in Bukadal, which lives around about here, which is a three-hour drive down this dirt road and then an- several other dirt roads to get here. And um, we also visit a number of other communities like Gapawiak and uh, various other communities across the area. And our plan this year is to do a lot more of that. Just to give you perspective... I said it takes three hours to get from here to here. To get from here all the way down the Sturt Road, down to the Bitumen Road to Catherine and then up to Darwin is about a 12-hour drive. On this dirt road down to here is about um, an eight-hour drive. So it's quite uh, remote, and if you don't fly, it takes a long time in the car. Um, and just while I've got the map up, I'll just point out to you that uh, we are based here in Nolanboy. We have families based here in Millingimbi Island and families about to move out to Gapawiak from our team. This is our team. Um, we're six families strong uh, at the moment. Um, there is more interest in uh, people coming and serving with us. This is one of the larger Pioneers teams. We tend to work in, well, Pioneers tend to operate in smaller groups. Um, but we've been doing a lot, of, um, a lot of research together into best practice in assisting church maturity and that kind of thing across, across the world. Um, I just wanted to share a couple of quick stories. This is one from Garatalala, which is a, um, a homeland um, in Arnhem Land, surprisingly. Um, and this um, 
uh, conference was actually organised by Yongle people and we were invited to it. It was organised in response to um, some work that we'd been doing with inviting some of the church leaders together and um, kind of looking at the Bible and kind of asking them some questions about what does it mean to apply what God says in your cultural context? Um, how do you be obedient? How do you, what does it look like? Not answering the question, just going, this looks like it might be a problem. This looks like, like you've, you know, things are fairly well established and things are working fairly well, but this could be problematic. What do you think? Have a look at the Bible. What, what, are, what is your response as a church, as a people going to be? Um, and they were very encouraged by that and organized this and invited us and they spoke um, and we were encouraged. Um, I had an opportunity of doing a kind of a culturally targeted uh, dramatic presentation of the gospel, um, uh, which was good. And uh, we do have a clip. Are we able to swap over to the one that works? No, we're not. Okay. So, yeah, that's not going to work. So imagine, imagine these people actually, there's some great harmonies going on and they were worshipping the Lord in their own language. Um, it's a great uh, experience. Um, oops. Did you want to say anything or? Yeah, so this is just a picture of Moipi, who was the first girl that adopted me. And through adopting me, uh, she's adopted our whole family into her family. And so they're teaching us the language. They're, so far, we haven't found any written resources of this language, so we are learning it through relationship. And uh, we are hoping that the Book of Mark will be finished translated in this language very soon. Um, but we haven't received it yet. And we are just so excited about all the amazing people out there who are doing language translation. Because as far as I can tell, this language, Japo, may only be spoken by a few hundred people. And it's so essential and so important and such a valuable um, thing for this family, this very large family, um, uh, to have the gospel in their own language that they can read whenever they want to. Uh, this is Charmaine, uh, my wonderful sister, and um, her daughter Bella. So she's my sister, and Bella's my um, niece, and that's Isla when she was a bit younger. Um, interesting cultural point there's relationship names um, for each um, re relationship that you have, um, and every, you're related to everyone once you're kind of uh, adopted in. Um, so I call uh, my sister Medico, which is a respectful cultural name that means um, little ugly one <laughs> and the idea there is that um, she is uh, she is not someone that I am um, allowed to marry I cannot consider her to as someone to marry so it's respectful in that I'm acknowledging that fact I'm acknowledging their law um, and their traditions by saying you know we will never be at all <laughs> interested in each other in that way so it's just a, um, despite it sounding, I found it very difficult once I was told, so, admittedly like a year after I'd been calling her that full time, you know, and she says, oh, by the way, this is what it means. I'm like, what? You know, we, I, I need to work, we did, needed to work through that. But um, yeah, it's um, a funny kind of cultural gap. Uh, this is us out at Bukadal, and this is some of our extended family, my um, Ngapipis, um or uncles, and Elisa's Marlos, or fathers. And, um, yeah, they just love children. So coming out with Isla, they are just kind of like they thank us. Thank you so much for coming and bringing Isla. And um, they're very excited to meet Esther. 
Ah, yeah. So this is, this is what we're about. Um, this is what the team's um, seeking to do, is to um, see the Yongle church, Yongle people discipling disciple-makers. That's, that's the Great Commission. That's what we're instructed to do. Um, but that seems to be something that there's been a bit of a breakdown within the, the Yongle church. They've had the gospel for about 70 years, um, but the church is still kind of trying to push towards maturity. And the idea behind our team is to make ourselves redundant um, and, and have a, an established, mature church that is self-governed self-sustaining, self-propagating. Yep, that's, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, yes, and this is, of course, you know, our inspiration and what we draw a lot of um, uh, meaning from in, in what we're doing to really see the, the body built up into the fullness of, um, of everything, to the full measure of the stature of the, well, sorry, the fullness of Christ, which is quite a, quite a target. Um, if you're... Um, if you're interested, oh sorry, I actually have a slide for this. There you go. Uh, if you want to help, um, we're actually here. We don't have a return date, despite having a young family and a newborn, um, because we came down here um, with the with with the work really um, progressing and getting requiring more time. So I've quit part-time job, uh, my part-time job. So we're we're needing to be fully supported. Um, so we're currently sitting at about just under 50% of what we need and Pioneers have said you can't go back until we have it, so that's fun. Um, uh, if you'd like to invite us to your small group, we'd love to be able to share if you're interested in Indigenous ministries or just want to connect. Um, you can invite us to dinner with interested prayers and of friends and if you, of course, are interested, please pray. Um, your prayers would be really appreciated with the financial stuff, with the transition to full-time ministry um, and something else that would really help us get as a family out there and overcome a few obstacles. We're still doing it, but um, having a reliable larger vehicle. Um, so if you know anyone who has a light, rigid, four-wheel drive truck, um, let us know. Who wants to give it away? You know, that, that would be great. <laughs> um, uh, for the Yongle people, um, we're really... Uh, there was a film crew who went up to Arnhem Land just recently and interviewed a whole bunch of uh, Yongle Christians. And one reflection, our team leader asked them, what, what happened? Like, what, what can you tell me? He said, look, I need to go over the footage, but I did notice that no one mentioned the gospel uh, in them talking about their faith. Um, so that's something that uh, is something to pray into. So please do. Um, there's also um, other people up there who uh, have things that just uh, false gospels. You know, they don't match with the Nicene Creed, if you know what that means. Basically, it's like some pretty basic Christian doctrines. Um, they don't have right, and they're kind of um, pushing some non-Christian doctrines uh, under the name of Christianity. And so if you could pray for clarity there, um, that the stuff that isn't Christian be exposed for what it is. Um, and, of course, that God raises up leaders in, in his church in Arnhem Land. I think, is that it? Yep. Oh, hello. Cool. Thank you very much. If you're interested in keeping in contact, we do have a, a, like a sign-up form for our newsletter. We'll put it up the back with some pens later, and we also have prayer cards that we'll make available. Thanks very much. Can you stay there a moment? Sure. So we need to support Tim and Elise so you can go away. Yes. Until we support yes. you enough, you're we're stuck here. We're yeah. stuck here. We'll keep pestering. Mm, <laughs> I'll talk to...
Greg and Liz later, they might rather you're here and us not Yes, really. our family are great <laughs> and, um, in telling us just how much they don't want us to get the money. Yes. <laughs> but we want to pray that God will work through you and with you, so let us pray. Loving God, may your blessing be upon Tim and Elise. May you continue to work through them. May your spirit encase them and empower them to do the things of your kingdom. We pray for the people they have contact with in Arnhem Land, for the relationships they're building, that they may grow deep Mm. and the solid and empowering. Loving God, bless them and their efforts to find support to go to do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much and blessings. A reading from scripture from the Genesis story of the temptation. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the, that God, the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight for the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. The New Testament readings are from Romans 5, 12 to 19. Death through Adam and life through Christ. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. 
But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of the righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and the life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. And the second reading is Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. This is the word of God. Just some very brief reflections on the readings we've had. And the one from Genesis um, is a well-known story. And at the outset, I think we need to dismiss many centuries of patriarchal interpretation of this text, seeing Eve as the temptress. One thing is very clear. When it comes to the judgment, God's judgment first falls on Adam and Eve, not Eve alone. When we read the passage in Romans, it is Adam that is held up as the model or the type of human sinfulness. Um, And it's made very clear in the Genesis text that all the while Adam was there when Eve was having her conversation with the serpent. So let's not fall prey to Eve the temptress. It was the snake that was the tempter. And uh, I think I've shared before how I heard one Aboriginal pastor in South Australia tell the congregation that Adam and Eve were definitely white fellas (laughs) because if they'd been Aboriginal, they would have eaten that snake and there would have been no sin in the world. So we come to this 
text which is very formative for our understanding of the human condition. It has been for centuries, for um, millennia. One of the things is clear that God says that I'm going to let you eat whatever you like. Eat of any of the trees in this beautiful garden that I've created for you to live in. Except for one. And that's the tree of the fruit of knowledge. And um, already we're alerted to something about the nature of human freedom. It has limits. We can't do whatever we want. Freedom is lived out within a bounded um, set of options that God has set before us. And one of those options that is a non-option is to begin to think that we can become God. For at the heart of this story of the fall is the idea that if only we taste of this forbidden fruit, then we can become like God. This serpent plants in the heart of humanity this doubting and suspicion of the boundaries that God has put on human existence. And I think this story in Genesis is exactly as it is described by Paul in Romans. It is a type or a model of how humans fall into sinfulness. We forget the boundaries or we actually willfully transgress the boundaries that God places around human existence and we desire to usurp the role that God has put there and take God's place. There's a wonderful poetry to this whole Genesis story and the word that it revolves around is arum. Arum means cunning. When it describes the serpent as cunning, it's arum. But there's another word that's called arumin, which means nakedness. At the beginning of this story, even before the part we read, Adam and Eve are described as being naked in the garden. Arumin. They encounter this clever or sneaky serpent, arum, and then it talks about how they become conscious or self-conscious of being arumin, naked before God. Things are fine until they are deceived into moving beyond the limits that God has set us and trying to usurp God's place. And then we become self-conscious. We become shameful because we know that now we have stepped beyond the bounds that God has put before us and we're naked, we're defenceless. Now we are vulnerable. Even looking at the environmental crisis that our planet faces, we have to admit that so much of it stems from us, our humanity, 
having usurped the place of God, having gone beyond the natural boundaries and limits that God has put around creation, us thinking that we can live autonomously apart from the creator of all things. Disobedience, suspicion of God, the fracture of the relationship. How can this ever be overcome? Well, Paul tells us very clearly, if we see in Adam a model, a type, a, if you like, a general vision of human disobedience, then in Christ we see in the particular what obedience to God, what faithfulness to God, what life lived without doubting or suspicion about God can truly be. And Paul is the writer that tells us over and over again, if we are seeking salvation, then we have to be in Christ. We have to be living within what Christ has accomplished for us. If the way of Adam leads to death, then what Christ has done leads to life and life in abundance. Let us prepare ourselves as we come to celebrate the supper of our Lord and as we sing together um, Amazing Love.